I wouldn't really want people to think bad of my dad or like me because of what he did. He's changed now as a person too. Both my parents, well, my mother was never incarcerated, but both my parents were addicts, uh, alcohol. And my father was a smoked marijuana and grew marijuana in the backyard. He had plants of marijuana in our garden, like since I was a little boy and he went to jail for that. You know, even though he was, he had a good job and all of that, you know, he was taking care of the family, but he still involved in his stuff. And my parents uh, sold drugs. You know, so it wasn't uncommon for me to wake up in the middle of the night and come downstairs to come downstairs and see a table full of, you know, pounds of marijuana, you know. And my dad would be like, you know, you know, if they ask your dad works at Caterpillar, you know, you don't know anything about any of this. So uh, years later, he would go to prison. He went to federal prison for selling drugs, for uh, transporting uh, marijuana and all of that across the border and all of that stuff. So he did go to prison for that. Uh, my mom was in trouble. She got in trouble for dr drug, for drunk driving and stuff like that. She got in trouble. She was in trouble with the law. She shot somebody, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, that was an uh, issue in our in our family, you know, incarceration and drug and alcohol use and abuse, you know. And I was incarcerated for 13 years, and I've been out this 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 month on the 30th. I'll complete my year. He was like in my life, like. For me, for like the first year, and then he went to prison, and I'd only see him like, I don't know, not that often, but I still saw him. Even when her mother was bringing her every other weekend for like a whole like the first year, two years that I was incarcerated, it still wasn't enough to maintain that bond. Right, and right now, me and my daughter, she knows I'm her father. She knows I care about her. She knows I love her. You know, she says she loves me too and all that. But we don't have a bond like a regular father and daughter. And like, I don't know, she'll probably get upset that I'm saying this because I've been saying this a lot lately, but I've been noticing a lot lately. I've, I'm almost to my year. So I've been here for a year and like, I'm like totally for her. Like, I don't have a significant other right now. I'm not actively looking for a significant other. I don't hang out with my friends. Um, I'm here for her. And like, uh, she doesn't even call me dad. You know, she don't call me Gino. She don't call me dad. She don't call me anything. You know, she just... Hey, you know, or she'll tap me on the shoulder or she'll just come in the room and just start talking, you know, and that's something right there that by me being incarcerated that, you know, we lost and like, I don't know, it's something that it's, it's, it's tough, you know, and it's been tough on me. It's been like the hardest year of my life, I feel like. I mean, I feel like I need to like remind myself that like, it's not my fault that, like, my dad has, like, chosen that life. Because I, I, like, I I seem to, like, blame it all on myself. And, like, I, like, get mad at myself for it when it, it wasn't, like, my choice to choose. That was his choice. And I just need to, rem like, remind myself to, like, be positive through it all and, like, know that he'll get through it and hope that he'll get better. Like, I think about him a lot, and, like, I think about, like, what he's going through with it all. Because, like, I don't really, like, he doesn't, like, talk to me about it, so, like, I don't really know what is going on with him. And, like, I'm always, like, checking, like, his case, like, like online to see, like, if he's still, like, incarcerated or not, or, like, to see, like, when, like, his trial date is 
And I'm, I just really want his child like, to come so we can see how long he's going to be, like, blacked up for. Like, I'm always scared to, like, get close with him because I don't want him to just be taken away from me, like, right when we start to build a bond. Like, that's what I'm scared of. That's why I feel like I try and, like, avoid him as much as I possibly can. But then, then I, like, I'll regret it. Like, I wish that I would take my chance to talk to him. When he was, like, out of jail, he would always, like, ask to, like, meet up and, like, go out to eat sometime. But, like, I just feel like I shouldn't be around him when he's still in active addiction because it's not good for me to be around all that. But, and he always says that he, like, will try and get better, but he never really does. I'm always, like, scared that I'll become, like, an addict or, like, something like that, like, it's like a really scary topic for me because like I don't want to end up like my dad like at all and like addiction runs on like both sides of my family so like it could very possibly happen but like I try and like keep myself away from all that stuff because it scares me so much. Like the kids with like parents that are like in like jail or prison or whatever I think that they need like a better support system because I think that like a lot of the kids like are going through it like alone and they feel like embarrassed about it and they have like no one to talk to about it. It happened all of a sudden because she had only been out for like six months and her and I finally started rebuilding our like connection and I feel like we completely lost all of that when she went back because she promised me last time would be the last time. But, I mean, I was used to hearing that because each time she had said that, it was never the last time. This was my fifth incarceration, um, my second after having kids. And this was the longest time I was incarcerated. I did almost five years. I was released August of 20. Um, I got a year off my sentence. I got my time cut because I received my associate's degree um, through the Pell Grant program while I was incarcerated. My crimes were paper crimes. Um, after I left my husband in 2008, um, um, the majority of my like I said were paper crimes, check fraud and forgery, and it was writing checks and pick and save to buy groceries for the kids. Um, and that's why, I mean, I, it's even my court transcripts, judges said to me, like, they wouldn't put me in prison if they didn't have to. But uh, it, it was, trying to maintain a relationship with them like my ex-husband didn't want to fill out visiting forms so i had to fill out visiting forms and send them to one of my friends and have her mail them back in just to get my kids on my form and then um i would have to you know have friends or you know people try and bring them down to visit and as far as phone calls I mean, it was great once we could start paying for phone calls because then I didn't have to worry about someone putting money on their phones because then I could talk to the kids whenever I wanted to. But I mean, it, I, I remember trying to teach my daughter how to put a tampon in over the phone and on a prison phone call. That's not fun times. I went almost two out of those five years barely talking to her she, because she had missed big portions of my life that I needed her there like having my first period I had to teach that all to myself I had to teach myself how to shave I had to teach myself 
what would be appropriate, how to get a bra that's going to fit me well. Stuff that normal girls can do with their moms and have their mom's opinions. Mine was never there. I had to see that one kid where their mom or their dad didn't show up to take homecoming photos, prom photos. And I was at a low point in my life where I really needed her. And I tried to OD and I didn't even feel like I knew her as a person as I did as a child. And I felt so because I couldn't even talk to her. I needed her because it would only be one-way phone calls. So I couldn't be like, I need to talk to her because I couldn't. It would be whenever she called. And she had to find out that her only daughter tried to take her own life over one of those phone calls. Like, you know, um, my daughter tried committing suicide while I was there. and Like, trying to talk to her and deal with it and get that phone call that you're overdosed on pills because she doesn't feel life's worth living and you're locked in a room and there's nothing you can do it's I can't I don't even have a word to describe how trapped I felt I was sitting in the front seat and she was sitting in the back seat and I didn't know how much she knew um I didn't know if she knew who I was or anything like that so I just sat there and I was in the front seat and I was looking in the rear view mirror and I was just staring at her I was like oh my gosh that's my baby like I just I just couldn't believe I just couldn't believe it after so much time it was great and I did but it was confusing and also a little bit awkward because I didn't know exactly what she knew so I didn't know what I should say or what I could say or anything like that you remember that day as soon as we got out of the car though it was it went it went right back to she started talking to me and she stayed by me the whole time and she wasn't afraid or scared or nervous or you might have been there but you didn't no you weren't no you was excited yeah (laughs) i just wanted her to know that i never that I had never given up. I had never stopped thinking about her. I had never wanted to not be in contact with her for that long. Um, All of those things were just circumstantial and very hard on me. And I just don't want her to ever see (laughs) me. You make me cry already. I thought about you every day. Every single day there. Okay. I didn't know who he was because I missed him. So I said, Kevin and mom and my mom said he was right, it's your dad. That that was the first time I met my dad. Yeah, he was the first child, the only child I have that I wasn't there for the birth. Yeah, that was, you know, that was just, it just made it feel unreal. Like, um, you know, things just, everything falling apart because that, you know, that was the first time I wasn't able to be there for the birth. Um, then meeting him, 
it took me a long time to meet him because uh, it was hard to get prison visits during incarceration. He he looked different than my other children, so that was that that was actually a good experience because it was like seeing something brand new. You know, I felt uh, like some parts of the visit felt a little weird and uncomfortable because his behavior was different because four years that went by, so he really didn't know me. I was worried about my dad. He gave me a video game thing, and then I could, I, I, and I have his jail number and his room number, but right now I forgot. And then I could call him any any time I want to. Yeah. I I didn't use the phone much when I was I I, I actually stopped using the phone for two complete years uh, in prison just because I didn't want to be um, standing in line for it no any anymore, and it was just a mental thing for me. You know, I, I enjoy working out, and, and the weird thing is in Green Bay, uh, at first, it's not like that anymore, but when I was there, you had to um, trade your phone time for your recreation time. And I knew visits would come, and I didn't want to rush people because I still got excited about visits, and I didn't want, you know, a lot of times visits to get planned and get canceled, so I, I honestly stayed away. A lot of family members don't have the time and money to drive. Uh, I think Prairie du Chien from, from Milwaukee was a three hour drive. Green Bay was like a two hour drive. And you had prisons that were 30 minutes away from Milwaukee and they were sending people who didn't who didn't live in Milwaukee there. They, they purposely displaced people and they just shouldn't do that. And they, yeah, if they would have kept me in Racine or Waupun, I would have been able to see my children a lot more. Seamus is like, if you say like, I'm a terrible uh, cook, you know, right? But not, you're not a, you cook something wrong. That doesn't mean that you're a terrible cook. It just means that you made something and come out good. But you take on that, that, that uh, title, like being terrible and you hold it and you, you make, you like believe in it and you, and you make it it makes you feel a certain type of way. Like just because you do something wrong or just because something happens, it doesn't make you that thing. It doesn't make you terrible. It doesn't make you a terrible person. It doesn't make you whatever. But a lot of times with shame, shame will tell us, okay, you did this wrong. This is you. And we carry it and we hold on to it. And so every time that we go to cook, we're like, oh, I'm going to cook something wrong. It's, you know, and we get scared. That's like easy way, I guess, for me to explain it to you. I don't know. Do you girls deal with that? Like in school or like because you're friends? You know, I mean, I know like Dahlia, she doesn't mind having her friends come over here with me and stuff. But sometimes I feel like you carry shame because we don't do stuff together that like I think the normal parents would do. And so I wonder like, wow, like is my daughter embarrassed or is she ashamed of me? Thinking like, okay, well, my parents are this. So does that ever come up or does that, you ever think that's a problem or you know what I'm saying? I think so. How do you feel about that? Is it well, I'm just, like, not used to, like, always going out and doing stuff, like, at all. Yeah. What about you, little one? Uh, Lainey? Do you have, do you think, you know, your dad's stuff? Is you carry it? Do you not? Yeah. Like, a lot of people, like, say, like, mean things, like, about, like, my dad when, like, I can't control it. And it makes me, like, like, I am, like, embarrassed yeah. of it. Like, I don't want people to know about it. You can't take that weight on because it's not yours to carry, really.